before the show gets started, I want to take a minute to talk to you about our new affiliate sponsor, Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web is a leader in CBD hemp products, including oils, gummies, and topicals. These products can assist you with anything from faster fitness recovery to getting a better night's sleep. They even have products for dogs. Personally, I like the gummies best, and I'm telling you, the sleep gummies have helped me improve the quality of my sleep. I take two gummies 20 minutes before bed, and it helps me unwind from a long day to get a great night's rest. I also love supporting Charlotte's Web because they are committed to unlocking opportunities for women to succeed through the Women's Bean Project. You can learn more about that project or any of their products by going to their website, charlottesweb.com. As a loyal podcast listener, you can receive 15% off of items, up to 5 max and not including bulk purchases. All you have to do is just enter the word dynamic at checkout to receive 15% off of Charlotte's Web CBD hemp products. That's charlottesweb.com with the code dynamic at checkout to get your discount. Thank you so much to Charlotte's Web for being an affiliate sponsor of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy Network. I am your host, Colin Cernelia, and thank you so much for joining us today please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Plus, don't forget, you can now play this podcast on any Amazon-enabled device. Just ask Alexa, play the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Getting Dynamic Leaders with Colin Treniglia from Apple Podcasts. Before this episode begins, please consider taking a minute and leave a rating and review. Doing this really does help us grow the show and you can get featured for your review on a future episode. On to my featured guest today, I am speaking with Kayla Lombardo. Kayla is the lead editor for Softball America. She played college softball at Fordham University, where she was also a team captain. In this conversation, we cover everything from being raised by a single dad, why it's best to be your authentic self, her ventures into coaching and her writing career, as well as her lifelong love for the Yankees. So let's dive right into this conversation and let's discover our talent altitude. Here is my talk with Kayla Lombardo. to the show. My guest on the line with me today is Kayla Lombardo. Kayla, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Colin. Happy to be here. 
I'm glad that you're happy to be here. I'm obviously happy to have you on here and learn a little bit more about you and talk about your experiences. Before we dive too deep into things, a lot of people come to this show because they want to enhance their leadership. We talk about it at Talent 409, the company that I run. We call it Discovering Their Talent Altitude. And I'm curious from your perspective, you've been in leadership positions in the past and you obviously grew up around athletics, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But from your perspective, what have you seen as maybe one or two big traits or attributes that stand out from the leaders in your life? That's a really good question. Um, I think the leaders in my life, both men and women, just have a good command of their own confidence and uh, managing people as well. So um, the best leaders that I know, they know how to adapt to the needs of the people they are leading. They understand the people they are leading. They, they get them on more of a personal level than other leaders um, I, I've come across. Um, but truly the best leaders know their, the people they're leading um, in ways beyond you know, the realm of, of whatever work it is that they're doing. Absolutely. And we're going to dive into that answer a little bit deeper later on in the conversation. But I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? Oh, wow. Uh, Who am I? I am Kayla Lombardo. Um, I am a 26-year-old woman. I'm a former college athlete. I played college softball at Fordham University in the Bronx, New York. I was a softball player for many years before then and grew up, as you said, around sports and just loving all things competition, all things sports, but really just loving softball uh, more than just about anything in my life um, for most of my life. Um, After college, I became a journalist. I wrote for a couple of years for a couple of different outlets, and then I decided to pivot and take an opportunity that I had to go into college coaching and to simultaneously get my master's degree. Um, So I took that opportunity, and I I did that. I ran with that. And then another opportunity arose for me to go back into journalism, and I took that, and I ran with that too. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm a writer um, and editor for Softball America. Um, I cover softball on a full-time basis um, at all levels of the game. And and I also am a private hitting instructor and a high school softball coach, which I'm about to begin my first season at my alma mater in the spring. So I'm kind of a uh, jack-of-all-trades and a master <laughs> of none, I'd say, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely wearing a lot of different hats. And I'm glad that you're able to get back into the softball world in in a hands-on way when you're coaching, but also get to cover it in in a way where you were writing and now you're the lead editor, as you mentioned. It's got to be really cool to have that unique two-way perspective about everything. So now softball obviously is your sport of choice and you've been around it for a long time. Where did that passion and that love for the sport come from? Was that something from family, friends, childhood? It definitely stemmed from my relationship with my dad growing up. So my dad and I were super close. Um, He actually raised me as a single father and he was a huge Yankee fan his whole life. And and that kind of introduced me to the bat and ball sports. I became a huge Yankee fan as a result. And for me, the opportunities in my town to play 
were around softball. So, so I started playing softball when I was really young, and I was always a competitor. Even from the time I was a little girl, I was super, super competitive and just loved being active. Um, and I think that softball was a great outlet for me in a lot of ways. It was a great way for me to channel the energy that I had and the passion that I had and the competitiveness I had. So I fell in love hard and fast from the time I was a little girl. And then it was pretty much, you know, all softball for me. I did other sports. I played soccer as a little girl. I played basketball. You know, I, I even, you know, played around without being in organized sports, but Softball was always the thing for me. I always came back to, and I grew up as a, like I said, as a Yankee fan during a really good time to be a Yankee fan too. So <laughs> I, I learned how to win from watching the New York Yankees win um, in the late nineties and early two thousand. So, you know, those were my role models growing up, the New York Yankees. Um, and it just kind of built out from there. And, and ironically, I ended up playing softball, in the Bronx for the other Bronx Bombers at Fordham <laughs> University. So uh, it, it all kind of came full circle that way. Well, Kayla, I'm happy to say that we can be friends after this podcast because I am a huge Yankee fan all as right. well. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, grew up with those same teams, those uh, late 90s, early 2000 teams that you mentioned and learned so many lessons, not just from the fundamental side of baseball, but from the leadership perspective and the way that they conducted themselves and obviously won a whole bunch of games. So that is really cool. Now, real quickly, you mentioned your dad and growing up a single father, something that, I mean, let's just be honest, still to this day, isn't really a term that you hear too often. It's obviously becoming a, a little bit more of maybe an, an accepted practice, if you will. And it doesn't carry the same connotation that it might have in the past, but what do you think that you learned from your dad? I, I'm sure you didn't realize it at the time, possibly, and, and maybe even drove you crazy at times, but do you think that some of the leadership traits and some of the leadership attributes that you've developed were taught to you by your dad who had to raise you by himself? No doubt about it. My dad is the best example of a leader that I've ever had in my life. My dad really defied a lot of odds and sacrificed everything so that I could have the best upbringing possible, put himself second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, behind every need that I had and just wanted me to, to live um, as full a life as I possibly could, even if my situation was, you know, a little bit different than other people's. But I think that he was a great example of a selfless leader and he didn't mean to, but he turned me into, you know, a very, very confident, very hardworking person who was just never taking things for granted and really appreciative of things in life because I knew how hard it was for him to get to where he got and to work through a lot of really difficult stuff that we went through and, and he did it with flying colors. So you know, I, I'm so grateful that I have had his example to follow and, and really have, have kind of made that my own um, as I've grown up. Absolutely. And you penned a really great article on ESPN.com that I read where you pay tribute to your dad and the way that he raised you and your softball career when it concludes after college. And I encourage people to go find that article. I can link it to the show notes. 
and if you want to check it out, but it's a, it's a great article and, and it's obviously something that I think is very powerful for you to look back on and now just continue to build on as you continue building on your adult life and, and the things that you're going to do. So I love that. And I want to throw it back to softball a little bit more specifically. And I'm wondering when you thought that this was getting real? Like when, when was the moment maybe in high school or maybe it was even in middle school where you said, Hey, I can do this at the next level. So I had a really pivotal uh, season in my life. I was 10 years old. I'll never forget it. And I couldn't hit to save my life. (laughs) I was the worst hitter on my team. I was a catcher at that time. I was playing in little league in my hometown of Aquanic, New Jersey and I wanted to be good so badly, and, and it killed me that I couldn't hit and I couldn't produce for my team. And so my dad took every lesson he could. He, he read every book he could to try to help me to become a better hitter. And at that time, Sue Enquist was the head coach at UCLA, and, and they were one of the best teams, if not the best team in college softball. And he read her book, and he, he taught me how to hit like Sue Enquist taught her players how to hit. And so from then on, I kind of had newfound confidence after I kind of learned, you know, the, the, the right way to hit and I had a little bit of success. I kind of kind of felt like, you know what, maybe I can, I can do this and I can dream big and I can try to play college softball um, since it's really the love of, of my life. And so my dad supported that dream and did everything he could to make sure that dream happened. So I played travel ball from the time I was 10 years old. And just uh, there were times I remember in middle school when I was on four teams at once. And it was crazy, but I loved every second of it. So I think probably around my, my middle school years, the start of my middle school years, I felt like, okay, you know what? I could maybe do this if I work really, really hard um, and if I continue on the path that I'm on. Now you get to college and you get the opportunity to play and not only that, but you become a captain of the team. How did you get to that point? Like, How do you become the captain of a collegiate softball team? It was not not the most glamorous story, we'll put it that way. So my (laughs) freshman year, I did not really play much. I sat the bench a ton. I had to, you know, endure being a little fish in a big pond and um, no longer being the head honcho. I came from a very small town and very small school. And and I felt like I was a, a good player in a really small town. And I got to college and everybody was a great player. And I was I couldn't really keep up that freshman year. So I learned a ton from not playing, to be honest, and and had to check myself and look inward and say, okay, is this how I want my college career to go? Do I want to sit on the bench for another three years or or do I want to try to make an impact and help my team win? And the competitor inside of me really pushed me to work hard and, and along with the help of my dad that whole summer after freshman year at Fordham, we worked, we didn't go on a vacation that year. We worked every single day. Um, after he got home from work, we'd go to the field and we'd take ground balls and we'd hit and, you know, it was the heat of the summer and, you know, we were out there. And so 
that was probably the most pivotal summer of my whole life because it taught me that if I wanted something, I really had to go after it and I had to, to do whatever it took. So that summer really propelled me into having the opportunity to, to earn a starting spot my sophomore year. And I think with opportunities to play and to succeed, that kind of builds your confidence and, and helps you to realize that, okay, maybe you can do this at, at the highest level. And I think I lacked that confidence coming into college and with the help of being on really good teams where, you know, everybody around me really made me a better player. And I definitely wasn't as good on my own as I was um, collectively with my team and, and with their support. So I think that it was a combination of opportunities that my coach Bridget Orchard gave me the fact that my dad was accessible to me and and was willing to work with me and the fact that I was on really good teams that really helped me to blossom as a player, a person, and a leader um, for Fordham softball. So one of the things that you mentioned as far as getting to that point where you could be the captain of the team was learning from not playing. And that phrase in particular is sticking out to me. And I think one of the attributes that you mentioned that it entails is reflection, if you will, where you, you think about what you could be doing or what you can learn. But what else does learning from not playing entail? Like, can you break that down a little bit more for us? Yeah, so it really ignited the fire in my belly is, is the way for me to, to put it bluntly. Um, it made me mad. And not mad at my coach because she wasn't playing me, but mad that I couldn't contribute. I think that was the worst feeling was that, you know, I couldn't help my team. And I felt like I wasn't doing anything to help my team. I wanted to win so badly, Colin. Like, that was, like, the thing that always drove me. And I wanted to contribute, like I said. So a combination of those two things. And we ended up losing in the conference semifinals my freshman year at Fordham and I remember leaving the complex because we were, we were playing at St. Louis University um, and we had lost to George Washington in the semifinals and they went on to play UMass who ended up winning the whole thing and I remember turning to one of my teammates who also happens to, to be my best friend and was the maid of honor in my wedding, who also did not get a ton of playing time our freshman year. And I said, this isn't going to happen again. And we left there and we made that promise to each other and we kept that promise. And we ended up winning three straight conference championships for my sophomore through my senior year at Fordham. Um, so I remember that feeling of losing very vividly. I remember the feeling of losing figuratively, which was for me, you know, not playing, not contributing. Um, and the combination of those two things really lit that fire in my belly and propelled me to do things that I didn't think I could do in college and, and things that, you know, I didn't think I, I would be able to achieve. Very cool. Now, if I was to get a hold of your head coach at Fordham, or if I was to talk to any of your teammates, what do you think that now reflecting, obviously, and looking back a few years, what do you think that they would say about you as a leader? What would that first line or what are those first few words that come to mind? They would probably say that I was the most competitive person that they ever met. But that was also the thing that ignited me was also, I think, my downfall. 
um, in a lot of ways. And, and I reflect on that now, and I wish I could have been a better leader at that time. And, and I know I would have done things differently if I knew then what I know now. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, but <laughs> but I, I think you know I was a competitor in every sense in that I wanted everybody to be the best version of themselves. Um, and with that came some ugly days and some ugly times for me and some some things that I regret. Um, I think I, I could have been a better teammate in a lot of ways. And like I said at the beginning, when I when I talked about what makes a good leader is, is truly knowing um, their personnel and knowing the people around them. And I could have done a better job getting to know um, my teammates, especially some of the younger girls who I maybe wasn't as close with. But I was just so laser focused on winning that I – you know, regrettably did not pay enough attention to really what made people tick around me. Sure. And like you said, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and you get to look back on that now and regret some things. And I, I think I have some of the same feelings when I was captain of my baseball team. And I, I think about how I even got that position sometimes knowing how I was then and how I am now, you know, t- 10, 12 years later. So totally understand. Hey everyone, Christine here from Sweat with Stods, one of this show's sponsors. The Dynamic Leaders podcast is here to help you be a better leader and the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. So head on over to sweatwithstods.com, that's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S.com, to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. I have a two-part question for you. The first part is by far the simpler part. As far as the competitive spirit goes, do you think that that is something that can be taught to a person? No, I don't. I really don't think that that's something that in terms of my type of competitiveness, I think I, I truly believe that I was born that way. I, I There are lots of examples in my life that, you know, my dad has told me about that I remember that, you know, I hyper competitiveness. I don't think you can learn. Sure. I do think that being around other people who are competitive has the potential to imprint itself on you to want to be a more competitive version of yourself. But I don't think you can learn how to be hyper competitive. Okay. So you've partially answered part two of that question, which was how, so say you are the leader of a team and you are given your teammates and for whatever reason, they just, there's one or two of them that, isn't really competitive and it doesn't really jive with the way that you are and maybe with the way that the rest of the team is. And I'm just wondering, like, can, can that floor be raised? Like, can we bring those people maybe not as hyper and as uber competitive as someone like you are or someone like I was when I played, but get them to that point where they mesh better with the team versus 
I don't want to say that they don't care, but if you don't have that competitive spirit, especially like in a, in a athletic setting, but even if you're talking like in the corporate setting, I think you need to have a certain level of, of competitiveness in order to succeed. So my, the second part of my question is how do we bring those people up? Even if it's just a little bit to be more competitive people, is it just as simple as surrounding them with other competitive people? No, I don't think it is, but I also don't think everybody has to be on the same level of competitiveness for a team to succeed. So I think that different qualities and different people and different players will actually be good for a team, actually balances a team out. I think if everybody were hyper-competitive, there would be a lot of issues on a team. There would be you know, a lot of people biting each other's heads off. But <laughs> I think that everybody has a role and the best teams that I've ever been on have had people buy into the role that they're, that they're in. So, you know, sometimes there's a reason why there are captains on a team. There's a reason why, you know, certain leaders are elevated to a position of, of leadership more than others. Um, but I don't think that means that those people who aren't in positions of leadership are any less valuable to a team. I think that it's a coach's job and the coaching staff's job or the boss's job to figure out what the best qualities in each person are and to try to amplify those qualities and to bring out the best in that person based on his or her personality. Super interesting perspective. And another point that you just made was about the role that you play on a team and how different that can be. And sometimes it's a role that maybe you didn't anticipate having, or it's a lesser responsibility than you anticipated having much like something that you described in your freshman season at Florida, much like something I also went through in my career. I'm wondering again, from a leadership perspective, those, those are the more difficult conversations, right? Like getting somebody to buy into their role responsibility when they don't have as much responsibility as they're normally accustomed to. So how do we have a conversation like that and get someone to buy into it being just as important as if they were an everyday player, for example? I think it takes a special personality to be able to do that well. I know for me, I I didn't do so well in that role. And that's why I either had to, you know, adapt and find a way to change my role or, you know, I probably would have been in the same type of headspace that I was in my freshman year, which would not have been good for me or my team. Um, so for me to find a way to get out of that was probably the best thing for both parties involved. But um, I think, you know, it just comes down to really challenging yourself to, to be more like the people around you, but also figuring out what the truest version of yourself is and, and trying to, to do whatever it takes to, to fit that mold. Now, I've gathered from our conversation today that at this present time, you are a pretty confident person. And it seems like through the course of your experiences, your successes, your challenges, the combination of all of that, you've gotten to this point where you are confident in the work that you do, you're confident with the words that you say, and that resonates in the, in the way that this conversation is going right now. It's just something I can pick up on just having a, what, 25 minute conversation with you. You talked about in the beginning of our conversation about a leader needing to command, uh, having, have a command of confidence. Can we practically break that down? Like, 
how how do we get a command of confidence if we don't already have confidence built up? I don't think confidence is something that you can fake, and I think it looks different for every person too. Some people are really able to express their confidence through what they say. Some people are able to express their confidence through what they don't say, and I think. I think people can just kind of pick up on subliminal messages that are sent and just the energy that somebody gives off. So I think that confidence really means that you are your most authentic self, that you're not trying to be somebody you're not, but you're just comfortable in who you are. And, and that comes across through everything that you do. And I I think people are able to, to see through um, any kind of veneer that, that you may put up. Yes, I love that. I just wrote that note down. Be your authentic self. That is a great phrase to live by. So thank you for that. Okay. I want to talk about, so obviously you get to the point in your life and your softball career when you have to hang up the cleats and transition into another career. And for you, that was a career of writing and now the lead editor at Softball America. Can you talk to us a little bit about just what that transition process was like for you? Was it difficult? Was it easy? How did you deal with all of that? Colin, it was brutal. It was like <laughs> the hardest thing I've, I've gone through. Uh, one of the hardest things. But yeah, it was tough. I, I had probably a two-year stretch where I was just a hot mess all the time. And I was trying <laughs> to figure out how to fill the void um, that was left in me after softball was no longer a part of my life, playing softball at least. Um, So I I did everything from kickboxing classes to getting really into running, which I'm still into now, to um, becoming really passionate about some of other beliefs that I have, to you know, throwing myself into grad school and into different types of work that I've done, um, but really never finding anything that has compared to the feeling that I used to have when I got to play softball. And I've talked to a lot of people about this before. I've talked to people who played baseball. I talked to people who were on my team and other people who played softball. And it's a similar feeling. I think a lot of people go through that where it's an identity crisis in a lot of ways. And so much of my identity was wrapped up in my life as a softball player and, and Kayla, the softball player, not Kayla, the person. So I really had to figure out who Kayla, the person was. And it's, it's taken years of introspection and years of, of talking to people close in my life, who I'm close to in my life, and, and even years of counseling where I've had to, to kind of seek help and, and try, to, try to work through all of the um, identity issues that I, that I exited college with. And I'm, I'm still working through it, to be honest, but I've learned a whole lot about myself since I ended my softball career. And I know that now my identity is, is not wrapped up in, in who I was as an athlete. It's, it's in who I am. And it's not in what I do. It's in, it's in who I am as, as a human being. But it's taken a long time and a, and a lot of effort to get to that point to, to finally realize that. Yeah, and I think you bring up a really important topic in the sense that as athletes, we tend to get wrapped up in that identity. But I think also as 
professionals in the working world, it's really easy for us to get wrapped up in our work and the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. Because let's face it, in order to live, you need to make money. So it's obviously super important. (laughs) I'm not trying to downplay that, but I think it's we can just go from one extreme to the other, right? You can be wrapped up in that identity as an athlete and then wrapped up in your identity as a professional and just totally miss out. And as you put it, being Kayla, the person, and I'd love for you to, if you can, and I know you mentioned counseling as one of those aspects that helps you out, but maybe some tips and even some tricks that you've learned that have helped you find that balance and strike that ability to understand that you are more than just the lead editor at Softball America. You are more than just a former collegiate softball player. How do do we better balance that in our own minds? I think by having range in your life, meaning that you you know, are doing other things outside of your sport and your, your interests are varied and you surround yourself with really interesting people who come from all different walks of life really helps to put things into perspective about, you know, how important we make our sport and how important we make our performance. Um, but in the grander scheme, it's not life or death. And um, we, we focus so much on results instead of the journey to get there. And um, the time that we spend with people and, and the relationships that we have. And, and that's really what's most important. Um, and I think that if we can focus on the stuff that really matters, then the stuff that we, are, we care about, we are passionate about, will actually improve because, you know, we are, we are living balanced lives that have more meaning than just our performance in our sport or our performance in our job that we're able to come home from work or, you know, from playing our sport and, and able to switch gears into something else and into someone else or or other people um, to engage with, with people and things that are outside of, of what we see as defining ourselves. All right. So I'm sure that we're going to have people who listen to this episode today because they follow your writing in the past, so they follow you on social media and what you're doing. As far as the, just this is lack of a better phrase, I guess, but for the the writing industry in particular, there might be people who are interested in this type of profession for a career. And it's something that you've obviously found some success in. So I'd love for you to share how we get down this path. Like how do you become a writer, a professional writer, whether it's in sports or whether you're covering news, politics, whatever it is, can you share some tips for listeners who might be interested in that type of career? Sure. So for me, it was really important to write um, as a, as a student athlete. So when I was in college, I had an opportunity to write a blog about our season. Um, my junior and senior year. And so I took that opportunity and I realized, you know what, I have a story to tell and I'm going to, I'm going to tell it. So, so I started my, my own blog at first and I really got my feet wet and I did whatever I could to get bylines after that. So not just, you know, with my own blog, but I reached out to other outlets to see if I could freelance for them or if I could even work for free um, in the beginning. Cause unfortunately that's the type of business that, that journalism is um, at first. So I really scrapped and clawed and grinded in the beginning. And then I had multiple internships at places. And um, with the help of my then boyfriend, now husband at Fordham, I 
was able to, to understand the industry a lot better. And my, my husband, DJ, he's also in journalism. He works for CBS and he's a, a freelance broadcaster on the side as well. So we were kind of going through the same stuff at the same time. And he was really a help to me um, to try to make as many connections as I could. Just, just really con- not just connections on LinkedIn, but to connect with people and to learn their stories and to learn how they got into journalism and, and really just to pick people's brains from, from a young age. So I think as early as you can start, the better. But if you're in a different phase of your life and you're older and you want to get into journalism, I'd say just, write as much as you can, even if you're not getting paid right away, just create your own blog, reach out to outlets, to freelance, and also read as much as you can. Um, I think reading is the best way to become a better writer and a better journalist. So reading good writing is is super important um, as a journalist. I love it. And thank you for journalism. That was the word that was eluding me for the industry. So thank you for <laughs> providing the, the correct word for that. <laughs> so you mentioned that you took a stint in college coaching while you were getting your master's and now you are back into coaching at your alma mater high school softball. What made you want to get into the coaching world on top of everything else that you're doing? No, I just wanted to give it a try and to see if I could, first of all, if I could do it. Um, And second of all, I also felt like my senior year, I finally had this aha moment where like I figured out, okay, I actually understand my swing. I actually understand the mechanics and like the physical movements of my body and my mind and how it all works together. And then it was time to stop playing. So it was like, I spent 16 years trying to figure it out and I figured it out and I had about three weeks of like, (laughs) okay, I can do this. So there was so much that I had learned from amazing coaches I had throughout my life that I wanted to impart on other people and for them to have that aha moment, you know, maybe a little bit sooner than I did or, or just to help them enjoy the game too, because the game, I, I just love it so much. And I, I think that it does so much for young women and girls um, just in terms of instilling confidence and just helping people learn life um, through softball. So I I wanted to pass that on as much as I could. And I think I'll always try to coach in some capacity, whether it's, you know, private instruction or, you know, maybe if in a different capacity in the future, I don't know, but but I enjoy working with young people. I enjoy uh, the possibility of, of being a young person playing a sport and not even for achievement's sake, but just for what it can do for a person's life. Absolutely. And I think you've done a great job throughout the course of our conversation today, showcasing a lot of what you can learn through sport, what you can learn through competition and how you can grow not only as an athlete, but as an individual and how that can help you so much in your life after sport, which is arguably going to be a much longer time period. Although that's hard to imagine when you're in the midst of it. And I totally understand. So I have really appreciated all of your insight into this conversation. And Kayla, if there's someone that wants to check you out on social media, maybe give you a follow, anything like that, how can we find you? Um, I'm on Twitter with my name, Kayla Lombardo, and it's the number 11 because that was my softball number. So uh, that'll stick with me forever on Twitter. So yeah, Kayla Lombardo 11 on Twitter. And my email is in my bio there, my work email. So if you have any questions or you want to connect, 
feel free to send me a note. Beautiful. I will add that to the show notes from our conversation today. And before I let you go, Kayla, the show is called Dynamic Leaders. And I know you gave your dad a really great shout out earlier in the show. And feel free to shout him out again if he's the one that you want to do. But I always like to give my guests an opportunity just to shout out someone who has really showcased great leadership skills in their life and has influenced them. And I'm just wondering if there's anyone else in addition to your dad that you'd like to shout out today. Oh, so many people in my life, so I can't even pick a person in, in my <laughs> life who I know personally, but I will shout out Billie Jean King for all of her efforts to empower women and girls and to really make a difference in, in sport for, for women and for equality. Um, I think she is the quintessential leader for men and for women in sport on, on going after what you want and fighting um, just about anyone and anything that stands in your way. Yes. Awesome. Shout out. Great way to end this conversation. Again, Kayla, I can't thank you enough for taking time today. I know obviously you've got a lot on your plate and I wish you all the best with everything moving forward, but thank you so much for taking some time to hop on the show. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate your time and your thoughtful questions.